Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Who Framed Roger Rabbit? You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen it, just be aware there may be spoilers. Enjoy! Good evening, sir. Now, I have an important question for you. Are you a man or a toon? I suppose you could be a toon man. I, I am a moon. That's no moon. <laughs> toon man. Wasn't that um, Soundgarden's most famous song? Moon man. Moon man. <laughs> Fake the moon landing correct. while you can. Get in a cartoon car while you can. <laughs> <laughs> how how are you on this fine, incredibly sweltering day? Yeah, well, it's actually not been too bad today compared to earlier in the week. So actually, it feels like relatively normal. This is how it's going to go now. This is climate change, right? This is this is the new normal. But then, yeah, I'm like mentally, obviously, dreading next week. It's going to maybe hit forty degrees. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Celsius, not Fahrenheit, you American nerds. <laughs> <laughs> Who uses Fahrenheit? Weirdos. Yeah. That's Only, it. yeah, however many billion Americans there are. I don't know. They're not good <laughs> on population numbers. There's only three people in America. Yeah. Joe Biden, <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld, and, and Donald Oprah, Trump. Oprah Winfrey. And Oprah, Oprah, of course. Yeah. Oh, no, that's four. Okay. Four, four people in America. There we go. You asked me to name someone, I'm always going to say Jerry Seinfeld. This is like when we came up with Lit Men, and it was all, who's Lit? <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld. Ashton Kutcher, yeah. That's a callback to our episode about little women, because you can't spell little women without lit men. <laughs> exactly. I think that's some of our best exactly. work. Um, a, a little point here about the countries that use Fahrenheit. Um, the United States, the Bahamas, the Cayman Islands, Liberia, Palau, the Federated States of Micronesia, and the Marshall Islands. Is that it? Yeah. As Is that their, seriously it? As their primary, um, as their primary um, temperature gauge. So you said the Bahamas, right? Yes. Yeah. So the Baja men deal in Fahrenheit. <laughs> yeah, they they. So deal if in someone Fahrenheit. lets the dogs out, then and it's a hot day, then they'll be wondering what the temperature is in Fahrenheit. <laughs> That's okay. exactly right. And then obviously we used to use Fahrenheit over here as well. I remember when you used to see. Um, yeah, in the. Dinosaur Henry the Eighth Age. <laughs> it's one of the one of the Brexit things, isn't it? I'm surprised that none of the, the Conservative Party leadership challenges are saying we're going to bring back Fahrenheit. Oh God, yeah. You wouldn't be surprised to hear it, would you? Ke- Kemi Banadoc is going to come out and say we're bringing back Fahrenheit, fellas. You'll finally get your blue passports. <laughs> Strap on in, although don't actually, because seatbelts are for woke cucks. We- yeah. Yeah, exactly. We're taking the culture wars all the way to car crash deaths. And I've Fahrenheit. never had a car crash. <laughs> Ergo, seatbelts aren't needed. The state should not interfere with people unless they're trans, in which case we should interfere with them constantly. That's yeah, the message. Unless of they're the trans or poor or of an ethnic minority or, you know, basically anything. Unless they're a, witch, a rich white man. 
yeah that 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 that's the 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 demographic that should be free to do whatever they want and then everyone else know yeah so it's just a weird time isn't it tory leadership contest while it's yeah we're having the most extreme weather in well our living memory in the uk it's yeah it's who's an odd one, isn't who's it? who's your pick for conservative party leader then oh god it's it's like trying to uh, i can't even think of a good analogy for how bad a question that is to have to answer <laughs> That's like, you know, do I want to eat rotten... Do I drink a carton of rotten milk or do I want to eat a handful of dill? It's like, which, which is my most hated herb? It's like, which of those? I'm, ve- I'm very impressed that you would still be contemplating rotten milk over dill. Yeah, I would, yeah. <laughs> so, which by which I mean the answer is Rishi Sunak, obviously. R- rotten milk. Is he? He's rotten milk. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Dill in the situation? And then Penny Mordaunt has to be Dill because she's the number two challenger, isn't she? That's at true. The moment. That's true. Although you never know, they're they're having their debate. Oh, I say debate with big air quotes around it. On oh, is that tonight? tonight? Are we yeah. re- are we recording a nonsense podcast about <laughs> a film from the year in which we were born <laughs> instead of watching the import- all important Tory leadership debate? Let's be honest; they're all exactly the same individual. The only gauge is whether some of them are going to be more awful than others to marginalised people in the UK. Yeah. They, they're saying that they reckon Penny Mordaunt's too woke. Yeah, she's too woke, and so she started backtracking, which means that all of the transphobes now don't believe her, and all of the woke people think that she's betrayed them. So, um, yeah, good job there, Penny. Really well done on not sticking to your guns by having a slight ounce of respect and empathy for trans people. Yeah, it's too there's, much. There's no place for that in the it's Conservative too, Party. It's is too there? much to ask for the current Conservative Party to have an ounce of empathy for another human being. It's just, it's just not done. It's, it's not what the Conservative Party stands for. Um, I, I was interested to hear that um, the LGBT Conservative group sent out a questionnaire to the to the um, potential leaders, and so far none of them have responded. <laughs> Which is, which just tells oh, you surprise. you need to know. What a surprise there. Um I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying well, enjoying's not the right word, but I'm thoroughly enjoying how massively the media in this country is failing the, the general public in their critiques of these different leadership people by asking them softball questions about nonsense constantly, rather than asking them, Okay, well what does this actually mean you want to take us out of the um ehrc uh, um, er wait echr european court of human rights yes um no one's no one's then asked well what does that mean (laughs) why why do you want to take us out of an organization that was formed to stop fascism Why do you claim that that's what you need to do to be able to enact your policies? Should the general public be worried about this? <laughs> but instead, just the softball questions everywhere in the press, even in the supposedly left-wing press. It's incredible. Yeah, I, I can't watch any of it. Oh, there's someone at the door. I'm going to be back in a sec. You've got a minute to talk shit about me then, I guess. In the meantime, let me talk about how Paddy is the worst human being in the world. Um... I once caught him eating an entire chicken, a live chicken, swallowing it down like a duck, the chicken squawking away in pain and fear as it went slowly down the gullet. Um, And then when Paddy was done, he just started laughing, laughing and laughing and laughing. It was truly one of the most terrifying things I've ever seen in my life. 
yet I do a podcast with him. And um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's partly out of fear. I, I worry that one day he'll turn up my door and swallow me whole as well. So listeners, please do uh, watch out for that in in the time ahead if you let him into your life. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's not to be done. All right, I'm back. What are you saying about me? Hello, I left you a little story. Oh, thank you. I look forward to <laughs> editing that out without listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm no, I sure. will listen to it. No, um, my wife ordered some stuff on Amazon Fresh, which I know is Amazon oh. are evil, you know, whatever. But it's like we, it's for like stuff you can order the same day that's like groceries or whatever. And we never, you, we never even get our shop delivered usually. I usually go to Big Tesco because it's right there and it's cheaper. But she ordered some some Magnums along with a few other few other perishable items, so I had to go and put those in the freezer. Oh, there we go. There we go. Very exciting. Did you enjoy your brief time by the freezer? It was very nice, yeah. No, they um they came in a little bag with one of those like cool little cool pack things and now I'm holding that like a baby. <laughs> excellent, <laughs> excellent. Um so this week's movie, we've talked a little bit about less important things like the potential leader of this country. Um, and climate change. And climate change. Well this week's movie is Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Uh, the 1988 the greatest year in history the year that we were both brought to this earth ergo the greatest in in the world um what did you think you'd never you've never seen this before. never seen this before and as we've mentioned it we talked about this a lot on the show haven't we before i've gone like oh it looks weird it looks creepy it looks scary or whatever and I've, i was obviously completely wrong because i really enjoyed it <laughs> Oh, excellent. I'm glad to hear it. I was slightly dreading because I hadn't heard from you about the movie beforehand, which can be a good thing or it can be a, a bad thing. That Depends if Rob Schneider's in it. <laughs> you, you come onto this call uh, just absolutely horrified by what you've seen. So so some parts of it are obviously meant to be a bit scary and we'll talk about them a bit later, but overall you didn't find it as as off-putting as you initially thought. No, not at all. I mean, after the first five minutes, I was like, okay, I'm in. You've grabbed me. I'm hooked. This has it sort of it nails the the animation and the real world stuff does work together well. You know, it really nails the interplay between the two, and it's funny and engaging is the main thing. The main thing is it is funny, right? It, yes, it works. Yeah. The jokes land; they still land. I think it actually holds up really well today, and you can see how in 1988 it must have seemed really revolutionary. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it still looks pretty damn good in in 2022. Um, I th- I think obviously there's bits and pieces where it does look a bit stilted, or maybe it doesn't flow as much as it maybe would do if it was made today, where you have the additional technology to make it work better. But I think overall, the the mixture of the real world and the animated characters, particularly the way that they use practical effects to make things move in the environment. Mm almost seems seamless a lot of the time like when you think about the scene in the bar where there's just absolute chaos going on yeah the way that they managed to pull that off in 1988 is truly astonishing yeah and i mean i don't really know about the animation techniques much but this is really before cgi was properly working right so they must have had to hand draw it on all those cells and then place those on top of the already filmed stuff that's the technical term for all of that (laughs) stuff obviously my brain is not working that's that that's exactly right that's exactly right um it's it that that's how they did it that's how they did the stuff um yeah so in t- in terms of how it worked 
um, it was kind of like a hybrid. So post-production was fairly long for this era on this movie, as you kind of imagine. Um, and so all of the animation that was done using using cells um, and using um, optical printing as well, um, where it's sort of mixing stuff via a, a, a camera, essentially. Right. Um, and the way that they did it was that they um, they gave the artists like black and white printouts of the live action scenes to give them a, a an understanding of the uh, of the shape of it, and then they drew their characters over those, um, and then making sure that they kind of. Um, stayed rigid and structured into the scenes rather than it feeling as though it was too loose right and and the way that they kind of the way that they kind of did it was that they made sure that there was this this texture to it that wherever the um wherever the animated characters go in the real world they make sure that there's some kind of interaction there so it's things like the splashing of water, the smashing of plates, the rustling of papers, so that there's that 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 physicality to it essentially. So it's really cleverly done for for something that was before the earring of before the era of um, computer animation. They really put a lot of thought into how to make it work, and I think that's one of the reasons why it's held up so well, and why next week's movie hasn't held up as well. Which will, when we when we talk about that, um, we'll, we'll reveal what that is at the end of the episode, in, in case anyone can't remember from last time round. I'm very excited. Um, but but yeah, that that's how they did it. Is essentially they just took a lot of care over it, and they made sure that. But they they always thought of the viewer's response to the scene first and foremost, and I think that's why it works so well. Yeah, but how did they do it? So when Bob Hoskins is there and he's talking to Roger Rabbit, how did they do it? There wasn't a man in a rabbit suit sitting there, was there? It wasn't <laughs> Call was, of the Wild. It wasn't a man in a dog bef- suit. <laughs> this was before the the um the days of Andy Circus. Yeah. Um, if only so they'd they had was... Andy Circus, they wouldn't have needed to use animation at all. <laughs> um so um basically what they had was in certain scenes they'd have like a little mannequin in place for where the where the character would be, where the cartoon character would be. Um in sort of like when they were doing rehearsals or still shots where there wasn't much movement. The rest of the time it was using things like robotic arms or or marionettes, like small marionettes to make things move around. Yeah. But it's tough, isn't it? Because then you've got to try and edit that out somehow, haven't you? Yes, or like yeah. make sure it's not fully in shot or whatever. Like that must be really a really, really tall order. And I yeah, didn't. So, so um, I th- the, I'm thinking about all of this now because I didn't think about it while we were, while I was watching the film because it was seamless exactly you know when you're watching this movie you don't think about the skeletons behind it no. you don't and if think you about do if you are thinking it. about those aspects of the film then the film has failed right <laughs> well it's on rewatches i think or or maybe if it's a movie that's a real technical marvel and the whole framing around it is that it's a technical marvel you might go like into avatar it. like avatar you might go into it trying to think about how they made it um but when are we getting the avatar course, sequels I say, having not seen the that's, first one. That's this year, isn't it, I think, Avatar Is 2. it? Yeah. Um, I think The Way of Water comes out this year, this December. All right. Um, I think you should go see it, having never watched Avatar 1. 
That w- I think that would be good, yeah. Put my three, I'll, I'll put my 3D glasses on over my glasses, as it was meant to be. <laughs> Shall we do it for a January episode? We'll give that a little would be bit funny, of, wouldn't we'll it? We'll give a little bit of time for, for the Avatar fans to have seen it. and then we'll You've seen it. the first one, haven't you? I've seen the first one, yeah. I've not watched it pretty much since Avatar came out. Um, but... Um, no, yeah. I'll play. I might play a joke on you and watch Avatar: The Last Airbender instead. <laughs> I watch a whole series. Do you, do, you, do you mean the the TV series or do you mean the terrible live action movie? Both. I'm going to watch all <laughs> okay. of it because you should watch the the animated series. It's really good. Yeah, it's, so it's I hear. really really good fun. Um, the movie. A lot of people in the lo-fi community are big fans. Yeah, it always turns up in lo-fi art, doesn't it? Yeah um it's um but yeah no it is it is a really good show it's it's very good so i do recommend watching it um i've heard nothing but bad things about the live action movie which probably means we should watch that at some point yeah. as well i'd say there's so much stuff we need to get through <laughs> <laughs> anyway so who framed roger rabbit um like you said it's really great to watch and some of that is just the quality of the filmmaking the animation and everything like that but also it's the characters and the plot isn't it yeah i th- i think it's it's really, really well written, but it's really well acted as well. And for me, I think it's actually the acting that carries it. I mean, Rob Hoskins mm. is just absolutely astounding in this film. The rest of them, Toons included, do a great job. Christopher Lloyd especially, but Hoskins is just on another level, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, people go on about solo performances um, like... Um like Sam Rockwell in in Moon, for instance, and and those kind of movies. Or um, I've never seen that. Have you not? Seen, oh, it's very good. It's very good. Um, but this movie, I think, obviously, Bob Hoskins has been in a number of in, truly incredible pieces of art over the years. Um, when you think about things like the Long Good Friday in terms of, you know, the more serious roles, um, which is a very good gangster movie. I don't know if you've ever seen it. No, never. Um, and um, you forget and then, that he's English because all his he's, most he's iconic English, roles are, yeah. well, as Mario and then, <laughs> sorry, yeah, Mario. Uh, you took away my joke. I was going to say, obviously, the greatest performance of his was as Mario Mario in the Super Mario Brothers movie. Is it? Is it on the credits as Mario Mario? Yeah, Mario Mario and Luigi Mario. That's their character names. Of course. Um, <laughs> but um, but obviously, he he is a British actor, and he do, he's done lots of great performances with his own proper accent. But it's so funny that obviously, for kids growing up in the nineties, probably the two things you knew Bob Hoskins for the most were Super Mario Brothers and obviously Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And like, this is an Oscar-worthy performance, right? Yeah. How on earth he managed to do this so well and also play into the tone of the movie so well to discover this kind of incredible performance in it. This should have been Oscar-nominated for acting. Did it get any Oscars? Did it get some for the technical stuff? It got one for being a um, a cool movie, the Cool Movie Award. No, it cool won it won stuff around visual effects and film editing and stuff like that. Um, but I don't think it was even nominated for any acting categories. I think it was just the kind of art direction, cinematography, stuff like that. Or one for most characters from another thing in one thing, <laughs> where it's still good, unlike they, they, Space Jam, which we'll, we'll get to. Ba- basically... Um, this this movie, um, the people currently running Disney watch Who Framed Roger Rabbit every day and think, right, we need to do this. What what franchise can we buy up today to make this a reality? Yep. Negotiating with other companies to do stuff. No, we did that with Spider-Man and it was really irritating. Let's just buy another massive conglomerate and own everything they have. 
pretty soon they're going to be the Acme Corporation. Am I right? <laughs> exactly. You know what Acme stands for? Aggressive something. I don't know. What, what does it stand Aggressive for? capitalist men eat. No, it stands for a company making everything. That's the, the ah. like the big joke of it. That's why it's the you always see it in films and popular culture and stuff. That's the big joke. I can't remember where it originates, but that's what it stands for, supposedly. Ah, I see. That's interesting. No, I did not know that. That's cool. Um uh but yeah, so so um obviously Bob Hoskins is fantastic in this, and he plays uh, an old fashioned gumshoe. This and this is essentially it's a film noir with animated characters in it really isn't it yeah and it it's it's a loving pastiche of film noir isn't it and it's it's truly loving in the best in the best way isn't it but the way yes, where it's not sort yeah. of fawning it appreciates the things that are really funny and a little bit silly about film noir and it manages to pull those out and make, put them to the foreground yeah and so and so this this film it it takes that central concept of of you know the 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 worn out tropes of a film noir story and it it really manages to integrate them so well into uh, a kids semi animated movie so you know you've got the the um the detective the the private eye who's had a tragedy or a trauma in his past which has led to him to be down on his luck and he gets and on the booze and on the booze, and he gets brought into this um, this what seems like a simple, slightly seedy case with a very personal element. But the more that he goes down this road, the more extreme it gets, the more dangerous it gets, and the bigger the conspiracy grows until it becomes this massive thing. Um, and do you know about how the conspiracy in Who Framed Roger Rabbit is actually a real-world conspiracy? No. So... You know when the the whole thing about them buying up the red car? Yeah. Um, there is such a thing called the General Motors streetcar conspiracy. Because in the real world, um essentially, um the streetcars obviously were were not very good for car manufacturers. So, <laughs> oh yeah, there's a there's a joke about that, isn't there? About like why would you drive everywhere because they've got streetcars? Yeah, yeah, right. they've got the greatest they've got the greatest public transportation system in the world in LA, which was obviously yeah. nowadays is a big joke because of the complete failure of the LA transportation system and how that's a very a funny joke in a city that really needs better better public transport. You have to drive everywhere through six lanes of traffic. Uh, yes, yeah, exactly. Um, but essentially, that's what happened in real life. So in this in this uh, in this movie, the big villain, Judge Doom, great villain name, uh, buys like it rapper. all out to destroy the the public transportation system and build freeways instead, so that everyone has to rely on cars. Yeah, that's and what, that, that's, that's what good because capitalism then is the villain, isn't it? Of the piece, yeah. which I think is another reason why we like this film. We we love it because it hates capitalism, much like we hate capitalism. <laughs> yeah. Toontown is eventually, spoiler alert, bequeathed to the Toons, a thing being collectively owned by the people who make it what it is. Imagine that. Yes, yeah, exactly. Imagine that. Um, and um, and essentially, in real life, that's what happens. So companies like General Motors pull together to buy public transportation systems and destroy them. 
And that's why America doesn't have very good transportation systems in a lot of its big cities. Did that actually happen? LA. This actually happened. I did um, not know there, that. There's some people that are simps for the big corporations that say, actually, it's a lot more complicated than that. But no, why on earth would companies like General, General Motors buy up public transportation systems if they didn't want to destroy them? Let's be honest here. Um, yeah. We all know why they did it. You can try and simp for them and try and pretend that it's a lot more complicated, but the, the, the end result is what the company would have desperately wanted to happen. And do you know what happened to people? Um, General Motors paid a fine of $5,000 which is in 1947 money, slightly more than that, but still not a lot for a company like General Motors. Yeah. So, so wait, you're saying this isn't a conspiracy theory, this actually happened? This this actually happened. This so actually what's the happened. conspiracy theory then? Well, Give me something more weird. This is this actually sounds a bit too real, a bit too inevit- <laughs> capitalist inevitable. It's a, it's a conspiracy theory in the same way that MKUltra is a conspiracy theory, in that... What's MKUltra? So MK Ultra was long thought of as a conspiracy theory that the um, the CIA gave hallucinogenic drugs like LSD as experiments to war veterans. So that's not a rapper or a '90s shoot 'em up game. No, it is. It is not. Um, and it, and and it was this conspiracy, and a lot of time people thought, "Oh, there's no truth to this," until it turned out actually this is exactly what they did, and they experimented on on soldiers using LSD. Um, which then obviously did horrible things to all of the people involved. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's kind of a conspiracy in the same way that that's a conspiracy and that there is this truth behind it. But for a long time, it's been pushed and marginalised. Um, so LA's transportation system, probably not as good as maybe people made it out to be. But for 1947, still pretty good going. In terms you could of hop the- on the back of the tram if you can't afford a ticket. Well, yeah. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So the streetcar systems um, were really big up and up to and including the 1920s, and then they started to decline. And part of the reason for the decline was a lack of uh, infrastructure support and everything like that, until eventually they got killed off by uh, these big private companies buying into them and, and eventually destroying them. Um, and um, some of it shifted towards buses, but a lot of it shifted towards private car use so actually there is this 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 truth behind um who framed roger rabbit which i think is really interesting that they decided to put that in and i'm not sure whether disney in 2022 would be willing to do something as bold as that no i don't i don't think they would because it it has a very very strong message at its core a strong anti-capitalist message at its core and there's just nothing like that these days really is there no, no, exactly. People are too scared um, to, to the, say anything. The closest we got was apparently the live action version of Dumbo in terms of Disney. Oh, really? Disney stuff, where it had a vaguely um, this is bad, yeah, message. <laughs> um, but but even then, um, it's not necessarily as strong as it could have been. And I also heard that was creepy and weird and also Tim Burton. So, yeah. <laughs> Which, it's a Tim Burton movie. It should be. It should be creepy and weird. Um, yeah, but but isn't yeah, Danny I, DeVito in it? Danny DeVito is in it, isn't he? I've heard that he um, gives a very good performance. Um, yes, yeah. Um, and and the other interesting thing to to take into consideration is the whole Toontown element of this, um, because basically when it came to building the highway system around LA, it wasn't just the destruction of the red car system. It was also um, seizing property 
from lower class neighborhoods yeah from people from lower socioeconomic backgrounds um and then i mean this was a lot of the mexican-american community as well so you've got this whole racism aspect to the story um which is kind of an allegory for the tunes as well i suppose in a way um yep. i'm ve- i'm always very cautious about people using fantasy characters as stand-ins for real world racism because it feels like it kind of cheapens it a little bit um but that's kind of what they're doing here as well is actually there were these these communities that were completely displaced because people wanted to build highways around los angeles yeah and it's it's part of the whole overall message it's not sort of like a clunky heavy-handed message is it no no or some kind of really like out there interpretation of it it's just kind of the it's buried in there but you can find it yes yeah exactly so actually there's a lot of this complex real life um story here and it makes you wonder maybe um maybe la could have been a better more idealistic place if the people who destroyed these neighborhoods and destroyed public transport systems were crushed under a steamroller and then thrown into a vat of acid yeah which i think is a a a good question to ask you know maybe that's maybe that's what should have happened back then maybe we should be thinking about those kind of things um when we're making decision making um maybe we should steamroller people yep definitely steamrollers you you never see a steamroller these days do you (laughs) You just like rolling down the street have they have they been replaced? Is there now a more efficient way to squash things really flat? Yeah, probably like a big hammer or something. You've got sort of like those pneumatic hammers. Maybe that's kind of replaced it, where you've got the more portable way to really squash stuff really flat. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Disney, in this movie, say, take capitalists who are part of the authoritarian structure of society, crush them with a steamroller and throw them into acid. Yeah, that's the message Disney put out in 1988. Everyone, and then everything will become a lovely, fun cartoon with everyone singing a happy song. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, I don't see Disney making another movie like this anytime soon. Let's be honest. No, and it was made it was made by Touchstone Pictures, right? Which was owned by Disney, and that's how they got to use all the characters and everything. But then they also worked with loads of other people to get the rights to a lot of characters. And there were some they didn't get the rights to that they wanted to use, but they still seemed to get everyone, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, it's really interesting. And I remember as a kid watching in Marvel how amazing it was to see these people sharing the screen together, Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse yeah Um, skydiving together that kind of thing it's just like wow that's really cool i can't believe they managed to do that donald duck and daffy duck playing the pianos that was (laughs) really which is a a really funny funny scene scene. um betty boop as well um where again her character being being uh shoved to one side by by colorized cartoons really interesting way of looking at the history of cartoon development as well there's all of these tiny little pieces in this movie that make it so interesting to watch um and as a kid obviously some of them you pick up on and some of them you don't but as an adult there's so much in here for adults to enjoy as well yeah absolutely it's it's not i don't i feel like this isn't a kid's film i feel like probably what a lot of people our age would have watched it as a kid and enjoyed it and found it funny but i think the layers that it has in terms of what it's depicting, the messages, the things that it's calling back to and the things it's pastiching, I think it's its really, it's aimed at the, the mums and dads, isn't it? Yeah, I, th- I think it's one of those great 
and rare movies that everyone can enjoy without it being condescending to enjoy it. Yes, exactly. You don't have to have any knowledge of film noir, I think, to enjoy it. But if you do, then you'll understand things on a, a different level. Yes, yeah. It's... Um, you only have to have seen one episode of Chippendale's Rescue Rangers and it's all going to make sense. <laughs> it's all, all the pieces fit together as long as you've done that. That new um, Chippendale film apparently is good. And that actually does a similar thing, doesn't it? It's a mix of live action and animation and has loads of different characters in it. Apparently there's an extremely funny Tim Robinson cameo in it as the awful Sonic the Hedgehog That's that they did right. before the re-edit, which I think I, I want to watch that. I'm a little bit sceptical of it because people have been saying, oh, it's like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And like, is it really? Is it really like Who Framed Roger Rabbit? It, it does have a remix of the theme song by Post Malone. Okay, um, I'll maybe watch it at some point. That's literally just put it down to the lower end of my list of things to watch. Who's the guy who I've never heard any of his other music, but I listen to that. But I know I know what he looks like because his face is always on social media, and he's got a lot of tattoos all over his face. He looks a bit like Shia LaBeouf, like one of Shia LaBeouf's more out there roles. And his name is um, is what. Is the is the uh, name of a um, daytime TV advert? If you need money quick, post my loan. <laughs> did you just come um, up with that right now? I did just come up with that right. That's now, good. In case you can't tell from the the poor delivery. Um, <laughs> but 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 the, a lot of the time when people talk about. Uh, movies that everyone can enjoy what that means is it's a kids movie that maybe has a sex joke that the kids don't get and the parents can go aha like shrek or, <laughs> well yeah i suppose like shrek should have a few bawdy moments shrek's shrek's maybe a little bit better than that but um but that that kind of thing or maybe it's a movie that kids really enjoy and maybe there's a little bit of a nostalgic reference that adults can enjoy like with all of the disney remakes yes definitely but this is a movie that genuinely has loads there for kids to grasp and enjoy and to see the thrills of the story, to enjoy the cartoons, to be scared by Judge, Do- by Judge Doom. Who is terrifying. Who is terrifying. <laughs> but then I there's read also that um, this... apparently Tim Curry, it was supposed to be Tim Curry, but he was too scary. Oh, wow. He was too scary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, but, but when you... Um, but yeah, it's also a movie that adults can go into and they can see all of that subtext there. They can see all of the complexity behind the scenes. And I think it's so rare to see something like this. And genuinely, I think it's one of the best movies ever made because of that. Yeah. You're going be- one of the best movies ever made. Yeah, yeah. I think you've got, from a technical perspective, it's truly astonishing. I still don't quite understand how they made it and how Robert Zemeckis went from this to making uh, Polar Beowulf. Express. <laughs> And Beowulf. I'm just like, okay, mate. I lo- I know that you now love making things that look like PS2 cutscenes, but come on. Um, but then you've also got the the plot is good, the characters are good, the the acting is fantastic, and you've got all of that complexity that's seamlessly interwoven with a genuinely enjoyable, genuinely funny, genuinely exciting movie to watch. And interestingly, it's based on a book, which I didn't it know is. either. A book called Who Censored Roger Rabbit, which is a much more boring title. Yes, yeah. Um, and um, I've never read it. It's one of those things where, I, where whenever I remember Who Framed Roger Rabbit and rewatch it, I I think, oh, I should really pick up the book at some point, and then I never do. Yeah. Um, but but the the book, as far as I'm aware, it's about cartoon characters, like comic book characters, rather yeah. than animated characters. 
um, which makes sense to then change um, uh, change the focus. Yeah, but the the idea of Roger Rabbit is buried in there as well. So there must be something good in that source material for it to have made such a such an excellent film. Yeah, I keep I keep meaning to watch it and just yeah, like I said, never uh, never get around to it. Um, and then the 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 writer Gary K. Wolf, I hope he's a real wolf. Um, made a sequel book as well uh, called Who Plugged Roger Rabbit. Oh, okay. And then Who Whacked Roger Rabbit as well. Um, so, um, yeah, I think it's all a little bit... Uh, it's, it's interesting how there's that shift. And I think there was a little bit of a... There was a little bit of a tit-for-tat between him and Disney. Oh, yeah, I'm just looking at this now. It ago. says he sued them. Yeah, I think he he basically thinks he he is owed royalties, um, and uh, he won, uh, which oh, is good. Okay, well, good clearly, for him. Clearly, they um, clearly they uh, they they didn't pay him the money that he was owed for the for the for the movie. Um, one other interesting thing as well is that there has been discussions of a as a of a sequel being made which has been going on since literally 1989 they've been talking about doing um doing a sequel i'm sure spielberg's been involved jj abrams has been involved um and from the looks of it the story was going to be very odd um where where roger rabbit tries to seek his tries to find his mum and it's it sort of starts and starts years before um the events of the movie and it involves like nazis <laughs> okay and things like that <laughs> um and it turns out spoiler alert for the sequel to who framed roger rabbit that never got made bugs bunny's his dad all right <laughs> <laughs> and then is his mum the the sexy one from space jam then and then it's I like assume, a weird time travel so. thing. Yeah. yeah, there's there's time travel involved as well. Lola Bunny, that's the one. Lola Bunny, yeah. And essentially, um, I think Spielberg eventually couldn't be involved because he realised that he'd made Schindler's List and then doing a movie with um, with with comedy cartoon Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he couldn't get away with doing after that. Um, and, and so it, it's, it's been around the houses um, all, all over the place. Um, Kathleen Kennedy's been involved. Robert Zemeckis has said that he's still interested. Oh well, we know what his next animated masterpiece is going to be then. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's apparently uh, yeah, there, there's been all sorts of things around it. Um, he Robert Zemeckis has said that there's this wonderful, wonderful film script for it that's to do with them moving into the 1950s rather than the 1940s. That could be cool. Which could be interesting, but uh, I I highly doubt that it's ever going to see the light of day. Um, and to be honest, after so many years, I think I'd prefer it to remain a standalone thing. Yes, and when you look at it, it's the kind of thing that you could imagine could easily have been heavily merchandised made into all this franchise stuff i mean yeah okay gary k wolf wrote two more books but books are for nerds you know it could have been like it could have been some massive franchise and the fact that it is basically just this one really good film that's a good thing yeah yeah exactly exactly do you really need more than this one incredibly good movie no you don't 
because it is space what it is. jam space jam got a sequel look what happened to that exactly apparently. we'll find out we'll we'll find out um and yeah i i'm i'm just really pleased that it remained like this i'm, I'm glad we didn't get any more no um it's it's you, perfect as it is yeah you don't need you don't need more roger rabbit than this no, it's got this body is, jokes it's got goof factor it's vaguely horny you know it's, it is it is horny there's a lot of boob and butt action in this movie there's lots of sex jokes yeah it's it's surprisingly horny I, that's something i didn't remember until rewatching it now there's a genuine horn factor to this film the old jessica rabbit thing <laughs> like <laughs> yes there's yeah. a sexy sexy cartoon character like sexy dancing and singing to all the guys in the club it is a it is very horny that scene isn't it it is horny and i think part of the reason why it works though is because the whole thing is this setup to a joke in that you've already met roger rabbit by this point and you're imagining the kind of cartoon character who'd be married to roger rabbit and then all of a sudden you get this highly sexualized cartoon character played amazingly by by um uh, oh what's her name kathleen turner kathleen kathleen turner kathleen yeah. turner overdrive <laughs> that's her full full name um and and yeah, it's it's an amazing performance uh, from her in this role. Um, but um, but yeah, it's um, yeah that that's the big joke, isn't it? Is that you've got Roger Rabbit? It's, it's these this opposite subtract thing, and then it gets played up into her playing patty cake with people, which yeah. is the, the equivalent of cheating <laughs> when it comes to cartoons. It's um, it's yeah, it's it's really well done. But yeah, it is it is incredibly horny. It's horny without being overtly sexual, isn't it? Which is yeah, a, kind of an yeah. achievement. Yeah, some, it manages to make it work, doesn't it? But I do think it's a big contributor to the fact that a lot of people are horny for cartoons these days. And then we'll watch Cool World, which has another example of exactly the same thing. Oh, God, yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to so, seeing how horny that is. <laughs> we have to probably have like a separate score, separate horn score for all of these films, don't we? We do, we do, yeah. So Shrek is not too horny. Yeah, mildly horny. Mild, mildly horny. This is a little bit more horny. I think Cool World is going to be the horniest, which, to be fair, it was made for an adult audience, Cool World. Is yes, that's probably the one that is made explicitly for an adult audience. Yes, yeah, very much so. So it's going to be more um, out there. It is It is. A, it is a Ralph ba- uh, Bakshi uh, movie. So, um, yeah, very much made for, for, uh, for adults, not for kids. Although I'm sure loads of kids watched it when they weren't meant to. Well, that was there was nothing else to do in the nineties, was there? No, apart you, from watch you films do, you weren't supposed to see. All you could do was watch movies you weren't meant to be watching. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this is a great film. I'm really glad you enjoyed it. I did. I I was entertained from start to finish, and it had a lot of really funny moments. And I, I think it started really well, actually, as well with with the cartoon. It's it's Roger Rabbit looking after the baby and there's a big catastrophe, he blows everything up in the kitchen and then it goes cut and then it zooms out to it being the set and that's when you see the cartoon within the real world and that reveal is perfect. And that was the point at which I thought, okay, I am in. I'm, I'm okay with this now because the way it revealed it was really well done. Yes, yeah. Um, old baby Herman yeah. as well. He's a very funny character. Extremely, yeah, extremely funny character. In many ways, the inspiration for the Boss Baby, I'm sure. <laughs> it is the original Boss Baby. Yeah. Um, apparently, they made a selection of short short films, so not just the the um, Tummy Trouble one, um, which 
uh no not tummy trouble what tummy troubles one of the ones they made but not just the um not just the cookie jar one um but then also these other ones as well that they made um that kind of went before other movies oh right so um so before honey i shrank the kids there was one before dick tracy there was one. Ah. these are all tonally very similar films aren't they and before a far off place which is a drama film never seen that something about teenagers who must cross the kalahari desert to safety when their parents are murdered by a poacher wow definitely go to that and enjoy the roger rabbit cartoon <laughs> before watching this movie enjoy the goofy baby cartoon <laughs> which i guess that that's kind of a precursor to like the pixar animated shorts before going to see a pixar film isn't yeah it? That's the Robert um, Zemeckis version. You want to see his yeah. latest serious blockbuster, you've got to sit through, yeah, five minutes of his take on some weird fairy tale or, like, fantasy story. <laughs> but they um, they got back the, the voice actors for Roger Rabbit, Jessica Rabbit, and Baby Herman. Oh, right. Okay. Which is, which is cool. I, I like that. So, yeah, maybe... I wonder if they're on Disney+. Plus. Maybe they put them on Disney+, Plus now. Maybe. It would make sense. Big shout out to Charles Fleischer, who did voices Roger Rabbit, Benny the Cab, Greasy and Psycho, it says here. Excellent. Excellent. He's had a very interesting um, career. Yeah. Um, all, all, all over the place in all sorts of different movies. Um, it's really interesting, actually, looking at his career. Yeah. Um, shout out to his character in uh, Zodiac, the movie about the Zodiac killer, for instance. Oh, about Ted Cruz. Yeah. <laughs> But he's also in Nightmare on Elm Street. He's in the second Back to the Future movie. He's apparently... Uh, apparently, Roger Rabbit is in the Chippendale movie. Yes, I was just reading that. Um, and uh, and and he, again, plays plays him again. Um, and he's he's worked with Robert Zemeckis. He's in, uh, God bless it, The Polar Express. Oh, yes. Um, I don't think he was in Beowulf. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly not. He could have voiced anyone in that. He's got he a good enough voice. He, sh- he should have been everyone. He's got the- I bet he could do a good old, oh, slay your monster. Oh, man. He, he would have completely done it. Do you know about the infamous Who Framed Roger Rabbit video game? Um, no, actually. Tell me about it. So, uh, so there's a really bad video game for the NES, for the Nintendo Entertainment System, for the NES, depending on where you are in the world. We call it the NES in this country, Americans. Yeah, which you might find not the Famicom find abhorrent that we call it the NES instead of the NES. Yeah, but they use Fahrenheit, <laughs> so. <laughs> um, and it's it's really awful uh, in all sorts of ways. So terrible controls, terrible gameplay, just a really bad caching game. One of the interesting things, though, is that um, it's kind of a mystery in places. So you meet Jessica Rabbit. And she writes down a telephone number and goes, this will help you find the next piece of the clue to find the will. What this actually meant was that players should then call that telephone number in real life to go through to a recording of Jessica Rabbit, giving you hints about where to go to get that piece of the will, which is really that's kind of awful and really kind of cool. good at the same However, time. of course, that number no longer exists. So if you're trying to play the game now, you're fucked. 
basically. Yeah. Um, but I, it's a really interesting little idea for sort of like an, uh, uh, a fourth wall breaking thing in a in an otherwise absolutely awful video game, which is quite quite interesting. Um, it's actually one of the first games developed by Rare, famous uh, oh, right. famous developer behind obviously um, hits like Donkey Kong Country, like um, Golden Eye. Um, did they do Banjo-Kazooie as well? That's yeah. one of my all-time uh, Conker's faves. Conker's Bad Fur Day as well. Um, and then they got bought out by him. I think Conker's Bad Fur Day is a bit of a bit of something to Roger Rabbit. Yeah, that's got the kind of adult slash um, child humour in it, doesn't it? Um, unfortunately, yeah, um, Rare got brought, bought out by Microsoft and then stopped making any good games. Uh, R.I.P. Rare. Yeah, that's bad. Um, they made one of my favourite Nintendo games, actually, RC Pro-Am, which is a uh, a game where you... It's like a racing game where it's little remote control cars. Oh, yeah, that's it's like right. A, a prototype for um, games like Mario Kart, almost. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a fun that's little right. game. But, uh, but yes, so, uh, yeah, I thought you'd enjoy that little bit of trivia about an old, terrible I'm game. definitely going to have to look it up. And see if I can play the, it. The rumours were that the, the 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 telephone number now goes through to like a se- an adult sex line. Um, I'm, that would I'm make not, sense. I'm not it? sure if that's true, but that's what the rumours were. The horny Jessica Rabbit <laughs> sex line. <laughs> um, but anyway, right? Uh, is there anything else you'd like to say about about Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Um, just that, yeah, I, it's it's really really good, and I didn't expect it. You know, it's a film that it is very, very well known in popular culture, but it's not necessarily talked about loads now. You know, looking back, it's not like everyone is always talking about Who Friend Roger Rabbit. Like, it's like I felt like it could have gone either way, and I was really pleasantly surprised by it. And I think that actually, maybe if any, if anything, it's underrated because everyone knows about it, but people aren't talking about its its greatness anymore. Yes, yeah, it's it's great. People should people should share it more. Go watch this. That hasn't been a Roger Rabbit TikTok trend yet. Has there is it? not. No. That's going to be the next big thing. We should start. We should it. start it. Yeah. Um, sitting around in our houses wearing suits, watching Who Framed Roger Rabbit on Disney Plus. Yeah. Um, but the, but the next <laughs> yeah. the next time any of you are on Disney Plus and you're thinking, oh, what shall I watch? Shall I watch another shit remake of a movie from my childhood? No, watch Who Framed Roger Rabbit instead. Particularly if you've not seen it. Yeah. Absolutely. If you've never seen it, I I think this film probably has something in it for everyone. Yeah. Unless you really, really hate cartoons, in which in case, which case you feel bad in, for in you. In which case, so. yeah, probably not watch a movie about cartoon <laughs> characters. <laughs> yeah, but you probably wouldn't have Disney Plus, would you? No, I think anyone could enjoy this, and I think that's the thing. It's a very, very accessible film, enjoyable film. It's a, it's a family entertainment blockbuster. I mean, I won't be showing it to my son just yet. Some of the scary content. Yeah, it, I, I don't think know, he's ready for for Judge Doom just yet. Yeah, it's a it's a PG, isn't it? But the thing that came up on, you know, when you watch it, it comes up with the things, it's like, oh, it has tobacco depictions. I was like, oh, yeah, that's the real <laughs> problem with this. Not that Christopher Lloyd is terrifying. Not the rampant alcoholism of the main character either. It's the tobacco that uh, yeah. <laughs> gets the warning at the beginning. Oh, dear. Um, so I've got a little bit of trivia for you. Um, All right, so the me. first thing to say is that this is the first and only time cartoon characters from Walt Disney and Warner Brothers appeared together on screen. And um, it's amazing that they made that. It is incredible. And apparently Warner Brothers allowed it as long as their characters got exactly the same amount of screen time as Disney characters. 
and that's often why and i bet you they actually did yeah and that's why you'll see them in scenes together so you've got daffy and donald duck you've got bugs bunny and mickey mouse you've got porky pig and tinkerbell um because that way they make sure that they're being given equal footing which is which is clever um a very cute story from bob hoskins Uh, for two weeks after seeing the movie his young son wouldn't talk to him when finally asked why his son said he wouldn't believe his father would work with cartoon characters such as bugs bunny and not let him meet them (laughs) Oh, sweet. Um, the test audiences hated it. It was mainly 18 and 19 year olds. Um, Robert Zemeckis, after almost the entire audience walked out of a screening, uh, said he wasn't changing anything about it. Fair fucks. Good for That's him. Good. That's good. Um, and uh, and yeah, I think you know that's uh, that's one of the it, that's one of the key things about this, isn't it? It's um, it's really important that it it has that autonomy to it that it does it doesn't feel like it was pressured by by things like test audiences or anything like that no not at all because test audiences can be wrong yeah you know? yeah exactly it's just a group of random you fo- people you right? focus what do they you focus know? uh you focus test you focus group stuff too much and um and it's obviously eventually going to going to be nothing and you see that all the time with stuff that's overproduced. You look at the, sorry to bring up the Star Wars sequels again, not just for the repetition, but also to remind you all that the Star Wars sequels exist. But you look at the way that the the Rise of Skywalker was made. Clearly that was that was thinking about things like focus groups constantly when it was being made. Well, that's the worst example of yeah. that. It's not just like a test audience. That, that's, that's going on the internet and looking at all the awful random shit that stupid idiot people believe. And thinking, oh, we have to pander to that because that's what the fans want. Yeah, you, no, just make a good should, film. It's Star Wars. You're going to make billions of pounds anyway. You should never. We said that on our episode. <laughs> you should never sure. face. You know, you should never make any decision based on what people on the internet say. I'm on the internet. Who the hell wants to listen to what I have to say? I'm on the internet. We're on the internet. <laughs> um, <laughs> this podcast is on the exactly. internet. Exactly. It's a place of. Why should you listen to anything? It's a we place have to of say? absolute horror. Um, Apart from that, we've made a lot of great films in our in our mind, in our imagination. <laughs> in our imagination. Yeah, where's our focus? <laughs> Wizard, Wizard Cop Three. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, the test audiences hated Lit Men, and they were they, wrong. They were wrong. It was a true, true, breathtaking, beautiful piece of cinema in our heads. Um, it was the highlight of Ashton Kutcher's <laughs> career. And then, uh, as you mentioned, there were other characters that they wanted to get in, which they couldn't. So people like Popeye, Olive Oil, uh, Casper the Ghost, Felix the Cat, Tom and Jerry um, were all in the script to be in there, but they couldn't get the rights in time. Um, who owns the rights to Casper the Ghost then? Is that maybe it's some some old guy who made the cartoon or whatever and they reached out to him and he's like, no, you can't have my... like." <laughs> silly cartoon character for your extremely fun and interesting movie like why would you say no to that what do you think it's going to cheapen the brand of casper the ghost (laughs) so apparently it's famous studios which is the first animation so famous i've never heard animation division of paramount pictures Right. So Paramount. So it's some greasy fat cat Paramount. Paramount i'm not getting involved in that then tom and jerry is of course mg uh um mgm is it i think mgm um, I don't know. Felix the. There's another new Tom and Jerry movie oh, as well. Oh wow! Which I'm never going to watch. That's great. Um, and then Felix the Cat was um, Pat Sullivan. I'm not sure who now owns the rights to Felix the Cat. Probably Felix the Cat Food. <laughs> exactly. Apparently, 
Felix the Cat, as of 2014, is owned by DreamWorks. So of Universal Pictures. He's, he's got DreamWorks it. face now. Oh, that's sad. It's sad that he's now part of Universal. Oh, dear. On that depressing note, that's the end of the trivia, by the way. But yeah, there could have been more characters if uh, if they'd been able to get the rights. Yeah. I just feel bad for Casper the Ghost. I don't. He's the friendliest ghost you I know. Don't, cut ghost. <laughs> I'm going to be a friendly ghost. No, be a spooky ghost. Be a spooky ghost or if get you, out. If you had the opportunity to live, to be a be an undead creature and you decided you were just going to be friendly to people, what a waste of time. <laughs> what an absolute waste of time. Oh. And you could be scaring people. Be brilliant. What a waste of being undead. Yeah, if, if, I, if I was undead, I wouldn't be going around being like, hello, I'm a friendly ghost, I'd be scaring you. You'd be haunting I'd be, people. I'd be going, ooh. I'd be waiting until people are like cooking dinner and then just tap them on the shoulder and make them jump and they spill their lasagna all over the floor. Always, It's always lasagna. I'm the, I'm the lasagna poltergeist. That's what I'm known as. That's what I'd be doing. None of this friendship nonsense, honestly. Disgraceful behaviour. Yeah. How do you like that, Paramount Pictures? <laughs> Why don't you make a film out of that? I know you can't because it's our idea. <laughs> this is going to be made by Wizard Cop Rob- Productions. Robert the Dickhead Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it in like the same font as Casper. Yes. <laughs> Robert the Dickhead yeah. Ghost. I Love th- it. It's our, our best it would, film it yet. Would, yeah, I think everyone loves Robert the Dickhead Ghost. And then everyone, all the teenagers will dress up as ghosts to go to the cinema to see it and put it on TikTok. <laughs> this is how we're going to market yeah. it as a TikTok hey, trend. Hey, kids. Maybe we can... Can we start this as a TikTok trend without the film actually existing? I bet we could do that if we had we the We need to ask kids, kids who are listening. We know that we're really down with the young and hip TikTok generation. What yeah. we need you to do... We know that you love Lit Men. ...is go into cinemas with your TikTok open... And ask the people at the cinema, hey, are you showing Robert the Dickhead Ghost today? And just go in. Yeah, uh, then, and then everyone's going to be like, what's Robert yeah, the and, Dickhead or, Ghost? Yeah, or, or call them up or send them an email and TikTok it and just be like, hey, are you showing Robert the Dickhead Ghost? Oh, no, it's, it's great. Why aren't you showing it? Make requests for Robert the Dickhead Ghost to be played. Yeah, and then eventually there'll be so many requests for it that, that someone will have to make the film. <laughs> exactly. And then we can get on the phone to Robert Zemeckis. <laughs> Say. And say it's, it's not, not about, about you, you, Robert. Different Robert. <laughs> you're you're not a dickhead ghost. You're a, a genuine delight. <laughs> no, a gen, a very talented f- yes. filmmaker. Um, yeah. So yeah, get 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 on. This might be the best film he's ever he's made. It's gonna it's gonna outdo Roger Rabbit. Yeah. It's it's gonna be a be a mag, his magnum opus, Robert the Dickhead Ghost. <laughs> I can't <laughs> wait to see it. <laughs> Anyway, have you got anything else you want to say? You need to make a poster I, I do, for it. I do, I do, I do. Yeah. No, I, I have nothing else to say about Who Framed Roger Rabbit. It's very, very good. I really enjoyed it. It was a pleasant surprise, and you should all go and watch it to take your mind off the horrible weather and everything else. Yes. Yeah, no, I completely agree. How, how are we going to rate this one, then? Ooh, let's see. Um, how many weasels are chasing you? <laughs> how many? How many cartoon weasels are chasing you, trying to get the? I mean, I, I genuinely think this is one of the best movies ever made. Um, it's maybe not as big on romance as it could be, but there's some love in there. There's some love interests, etc. Yeah, 
And with Jessica Rabbit, you know, there's the thing he says. He says to her, well, "You know, why do you? What do you see in Roger, Roger Rabbit?" And she says, "He makes me laugh." And that's actually like a really, really lovely, tender moment yeah, buried in there. Exactly. So actually, I really appreciated the romantic element. Yeah, exactly. It's um, it's uh, it's it's really good, and I I enjoyed it, even though it's maybe not fully there. But I'm still going to give it eighteen. Eighteen weasels are chasing me. It's a lot of weasels yeah. in the car. Oh, I'll do that. This is an absolute weasel fest all up in here. <laughs> absolute weasel fest. Oh dear. So um, up next in horrifying live action slash animated month, which is what this is now. Um, yeah, we've just done something that was none horrifying. So no, now we, we need really to need go to go for, go for it. it. So a cool world <laughs> we're watching next. A movie you've never seen. A movie I have seen. Um, I know. I only know a little bit about it. But I've only seen some stills. So. It is, it is something else. I'm very excited to hear what you think of it. All right. Well, thanks very much for tuning in. We really, really appreciate it. And we hope you enjoyed watching Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And if you didn't, then please go and watch it. Um, there's a link in our show notes where you can give us money. It's just like a virtual tip jar. Um, you can find us on Twitter at BigBoysDon'tPod or on the emails BigBoysDon'tCryPodcast at gmail.com. And we will be back next week to talk about Cool World. All righty. Bye-bye. Cool World. That's the theme song. <laughs> <laughs>